What's going on? It's the Film Drunk Frogcast coming at you not live from the Frog Quarters in San Francisco. I'm Vince Mancini. I got the whole crew with us today. Uh, on the phone, we got Phone Matt slash slash tag LA Matt. Slash tag LA Matt Squid. Uh, and I'm not phone Matt, I'm actually Skype Matt. Skype so. Matt, laptop Matt. Um, yeah. si- sitting next to me in the Frock Quarters, I got future NFL Hall of Famer Brendan. Yeah. Boop, boop. And live from Chicago, Jane Harrison. What up, Frock Boys? And you ladies. What's up? Okay, so today it's going to be a good show. I got a little chat with uh, our TV critic, Alan Seppenwall, and I'm going to... But I'm gonna pop in here somewhere. Um, also, Great. we're gonna talk some TV, some of our HBO shows. But first, Jane just told us that she had sex with a lady, so I figure we gotta open with that. <laughs> That's the opening. Yeah, I mean, you you can't just say it right before we go on. It's way really more interesting than anything else we're going to talk about. Opening. What up? Uh, it's like, gee, you say? Did she have Did she pussy? Orgasm? No, did you have pussy worms is what I said, but I was just joking. Oh, no. God, no. Not you anymore. Shine a flashlight up there and uh, crawl right out. I wonder if it's like like HPV board can pop up whenever. Oh, gross. I don't like that thought. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? So I went on a date with a lady from Tinder, and we went on a date to a dancing thing. So wait, she, hold on. Uh, back, back, wait, back, back up. What you okay. so, so you went on Tinder and you were you made the choice because uh, by the way uh, gay, being gay is a choice um, <laughs> and you you decided to uh, go for women or is that yeah, always yeah. is that always been how you've Tindered? Well, no, uh, recently though, because I like I was like well the thing is like I went out with a girl in college once. And uh-huh. uh, I had a, a good date with her, but she was like, it was fun to make out with her, but she was like kind of boring. And I was like, I guess I don't like girls. And then I realized recently, like, no, just Becca was boring as fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. I could have been getting fingered this whole time. Oh, yeah. Fingers. <laughs> Which sucks. I mean, this um, is just so good so pod. Like, it's like, hey, do you guys want to talk about TV or do you want to talk about a young girl's first lesbian experience? Right. Uh, I'm not young. Um, Close enough. That's, but, uh, no, that's true. She's not. Just play up your youngness for the listeners. For she's actually <laughs> she's actually got pigtails and she's uh she's sucking on a lollipop right now, you guys. Jesus, yeah, don't get right. me horny. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Like you know when he's horny. <laughs> I don't I don't like being horny. <laughs> it's no, painful. but I like I've like like I don't know. I like girls for a long time, but I just like didn't I don't know I don't like anybody so I didn't think it was any different and then uh I like it's easier to go on dates with girls because they don't make me super anxious yeah 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 right I mean that's and I was like oh this is nice oh because like because girls they're not they're probably not gonna uh you know like assault you is that why right and then also like I don't have all my weird like male issues with them because I'm like you're a person like not like a dude that could destroy me. Does that make sense? Oh, so now you're saying dudes aren't people. You know, yeah. <laughs> these days, these social justice. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I don't get anxious when I'm having dinner with dudes either, but that's because I don't want to have sex with them as much. Right, but then I also do want to have sex with ladies, so it seems like a better option does that but make sense don't you think that you would be anxious if you really like wanted to if you wanted to get up in there 
Wow, there's a little bit of erasure for you. My God. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It means you're erasing her sexual identity by being a fucking dick. Dude. Like I was just trying the to thing delve. Is that, like none of it matters because like it's like if I like having sex with ladies and I like having sex with men, but one of them makes me super anxious, maybe I'll concentrate on one for the time being. That for sounds, sure. That for sounds sure. like a good plan. I like that plan. Yeah. But anyways, we went dancing and she was kind of um not into the dancing, but it turned out she had been high all day in the park, so she was sleepy. And uh and then I was like, well, the only thing we can do is make out. And then we went back to my place, and it was uh, so fun. Did you guys know having sex with women is really great? I did know that, actually. I I concur, but I also I, I have nothing to compare it to. <laughs> Maybe you should try. Like so fuck what, a dog? <laughs> yeah, fuck a dog. <laughs> Why is that always <laughs> the next step with you, Matt? <laughs> well, because what else to fuck is a dog there? Or a sand pit. I just want to fuck a friend. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's all I want is to be friends. Mm-hmm. Also, and I need to squirt, which is real, by the way. Whoa, yeah, it's definitely real. But you, dude, that's so tight. Dude, yeah. bro, bro, dude, bro, that's <laughs> awesome. We have so, so much. We have so much in common now that you're crushing puss. Yeah, now that I know. I'm really making- one of the boys now. Yeah, you're making babes squirt. That's so dope, dude. <laughs> Did you know Alex Jones made like 150 women squirt by the time he was by the time he was 14? He's making college age women squirt. True. He was fucking was making squirt. He was making grown women squirt before he could I'm even Michael squirt. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm American. I'm a patriot. I like to make the pussy squirt. <laughs> That's so disturbing. You guys you guys didn't even have to see his face while he did that impression. No, but I felt it. Make the pussy no, squirt all over the Chobani yogurt! Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, Matt, you, now you got we got a Chobani connection. Yeah. Did, were you part of the uh, Chobani lawsuit against Alex Jones now? Uh, uh, they did not contact me uh, about it, but as soon as I heard about it, I, uh, I, you know, of course, I called up Mr. Chobani, and I said, I fully support this. I love the, uh, like, like how they try to include, like some of the details they try to include to flesh out the story, which is like, so obviously the main, the main, uh, hook of the story that gets ignorant shitheads angry is Chobani, the Chobani is a factory in Idaho and they welcome refugees. And then because they welcome refugees, somebody got raped and, uh, and then like someone, someone got what raped. Oh, is that what happened? I didn't yeah. read the story. And so, well, so Matt, apparently, so, uh, so apparently, what happened was uh, a woman <laughs> was sexually assaulted by someone who's a refugee. Had nothing to do with Chobani, by the way, but it, it happened. And then also, they just made up another detail that tuberculosis has gone up by five hundred percent. Which I don't know. It's just the details that they add are. I just I like when they get beautiful. I, I, I like any time the mainstream media has to cover Alex Jones, and then you get like uh, 
it's just like it's in it's in um, journalism speak, but then there's little snippets of Alex Jones in there. It's like when you're conservative firebrand. It's like when your RA would would read you back transcripts of like the things you said, like when you got taken away for drunken disorderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. we all have that experience. Uh, see, or, or like when you walk through that tunnel in the Museum of Tolerance, where it says all this the slurs, and you're just <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Did he yell it at you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that a real thing? It's just like, kike. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah. Wait, is, is this real? Yeah, I want to know yeah, that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, Where's the Museum of Tolerance? It's in Los Angeles. You've you never been to the Museum of Tolerance? And you walk through a tunnel and they yell slurs at you? Uh-huh. Uh, well, it's, well, I it's... have to go there now so I can come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, it'll make you come. If that's your thing, it's like, oh, it's so good, dude. Mm-hmm. The yogurt company Chobani is suing Alex Jones, the aggressive conspiracy theorist with a large following, over his claims that Chobani supported, quote, migrant rapists. The suit was filed Monday in a district court in Idaho. At issue are claims made in a series of reports published by Infowars uh, that alleges refugees employed by Chobani have committed sex crimes and caused an uptick in disease in Twin Falls, Idaho. Brendan, can you do this Alex Jones quote? It's all about teaching me to shut up, teaching me to back down, which isn't going to happen. <laughs> so is this the same because I had a big old bowl of chili <laughs> yeah is this the same lawsuit as the bowl of chili made him forget or is that a different no, that's, lawsuit that's his um, that's like child that's support the child support or no child custody uh, yeah uh, hearings oh yeah 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 which, yeah which are really good because and he like recorded a video on the way there he's like I'm a red blooded man yeah oh, and, okay. well that's interesting because obviously his lawyer has to argue that you know he is a a a good parent a good parent who deserves to have custody of his children um but he also does not want to admit that he is just like playing a role and so the lawyer's like oh yeah no this is just performance art and then he gets up on the stand he's like i don't remember my children's teacher's names i had a big bowl of chili for lunch That's interesting. So he has to kind of give up the ghost in these uh, court hearings. But I don't think well, his lawyer. Is. Yeah, I his lawyer comes up with his lawyer his, to do it. His lawyer comes up with a defense, and then Alex Jones just fucks it up by saying all the stuff he does online. I'm also pic- I'm also picturing a scenario like ten years from now where Matt Lieb is like trying to get custody of his children, uh-huh. and then they're playing clips of like El Chapo, and he's like, "Gotta go!" And they're like, "See, this is just." This is just a character. I, it's the, the song I, riffs that are going to do him in. I am a good father. I deserve <laughs> to have my children and take them back to Mexico. Gotta go. Oh, but El Chapo, come back. We we have so many questions okay, about prison. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> hey. El Chapo, yeah. I heard that you didn't like the prison that you're in and that you're a oh, reform person no. now in Manhattan. No, is it bad the prison? Uh, the best... Is it worse than the tunnel? No, the tunnel is my favorite. <laughs> Not my favorite. El Chapo, I heard that Ted Cruz like, wants to make you play for the wall. Everybody talking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> One that wait, I, but what did it, it say? I was saying I heard El Chapo, or I heard tel- Ted Cruz See? wants to make you pay for the wall. <laughs> oh no, I. I accidentally talked over when you talked, so I, I didn't hear the question okay. again. I heard Ted Cruz wants to make you pay for the wall. The wall? <laughs> no. 
I do paper. Whoa, I gotta go. Oh, t- please, don't He's travel. Into, like, he left. Oh, He's no. He's turning into Desi Arnaz. <laughs> the what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a lot of fun. We but do. We do. Dude, an amber oh, alert. God. I got an amber alert. <laughs> nice. And it just ruined the video game I was playing. Cool. That's unbelievable. I hate, I hate when that happens. I mean, that's. Me too. I feel like you have been as abused as that child. Well, listen, I don't know this kid. I don't know who. Like, you got to hear both sides. <laughs> right. What if they're in love? Yeah, exactly. Anyways, go on. Hey, so I promised I would plop in my interview with uh, Alan Seppenwall, so that's what I'm doing. I'm plopping. Um, so here it is, uh, my chat with uh, Uproxx TV critic Alan Seppenwall. You can check him out on Twitter at, at Seppenwall, uh, author of TV The Book and host of the TV Avalanche podcast with our buddy Brian Grubb. Uh, anyway, check it out. Hello? Hello? Hey, Vince, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good to finally speak in person. Yeah, or, or as close Whatever, as Whatever, you, you know what I mean, yeah. in audio. Um, I guess the <laughs> biggest question for you is, like, how much, how many hours of TV do you watch every week, and where do you fit it in? I don't know, it's, I work a lot, and a lot more these days than I used to, just because between recapping, reviewing, and the sheer number of shows, it's very hard I try not to think too much about the exact number of hours I spend watching stuff because I would probably cry, but there's just so much more of it. So, you know, today I wrote for about five, six hours, and for the last two hours I've been watching things, and I'll probably be watching a whole bunch more tonight after the kids go to bed. I mean, just staying, like, current for me when I don't even write about TV feels like a burden. Like, if I had to do it ahead of other people, that seems like it would be even worse. Is your life just like a living nightmare? It's like when you get these emails announcing, you know, hey, you know, episodes four through seven of The Handmaid's Tale are now available to you on the Hulu press site. I should be excited. The Handmaid's Tale is <laughs> a really good show. And instead, it's like a threat. Yeah. You know? it's just a, like, oh, you know, here's this rock we're going to drop on you right now. Netflix will send you emails saying, you know, here's an entire season of Master of None. I love Master of None. I can't wait to watch it. I don't know. It's going to take me a while to find the time when I have 16 other things I'm behind on. Also, is it hard? Like for me, you know, there's certain shows that I like to watch with people. Like me and my girlfriend will have like a show that we watch together. But then if I have to write like a take about it the next day, that means I can't wait for her. And I kind of just have to watch it like immediately. Yeah, my wife had to go out of town over the weekend uh, and I got the screener for the next episode of The Americans, which is just about the only show we still watch together at this point because because of that exact problem. Like I, I saved this one thing to do with her and I couldn't wait and I had to watch it without her. And then the screener for the next episode came right after she came back. So I said, honey, you're just going to skip the last one. I'll tell you what happened. We're moving on. Yeah, and she, that's not a fight. That didn't start a fight for you guys. Not really, in part because I said that the previous episode, the uh-huh. one that she missed, wasn't very good. But also, she just doesn't have the time because she's not a professional TV critic, and you know, trying to keep up with all this stuff while helping raise our kids and doing everything else she does—that's just dumb. Well, that could be like even worse when when you watch something and and then you're they're like, oh, you watched it without me, and then you're like, eh, it wasn't very good anyway. <laughs> it's like when you yeah. t- when, when you're like. Oh, this ice cream kind of sucked. You didn't get any, but it wasn't that good. You ever see Avalon? Uh, no. 
Okay, there's a famous scene in the, I think it's what it's called, the Barry Levinson movie, where like the family's having Thanksgiving and one of the relatives arrives late and he's like, You cut the turkey without me? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's basically what this becomes half the time. Right. Um, is there like do you have like a high school guidance counselor somewhere where where you're just like secretly uh, you feel like you've proved them all wrong? Like, oh, you thought I couldn't spend all my time watching TV? Well, look at me now. There, there's a lot of that. I have one aunt in particular, a beloved aunt, who who will admit readily that she thought I was mentally retarded because all I did was watch TV whenever <laughs> I was around her growing up. And she's like, and now you've made a career out of it. Good for you, Alan. Good for you. A lot of people eating crow out there. Exactly right. A lot of so seven wall relatives. Say you can't make money just watching TV. Well, you, you got to be able to write about it too, but yeah. Right. So, okay. So, I mean, there's like a million TV shows and, uh, I mean, how do you draw the line? Like you want to be fair to the people who made it, but then some shows you're kind of like, if you watch it in the first place, it feels like you've already lost. (laughs) Yeah. It's my trigger finger is a lot quicker than it used to be. And in the old days before peak TV, I would say, all right, like, uh, I'll give this two episodes, three episodes, five episodes, whatever, before I ultimately definitively write it off Mm -hmm. and now like i'll be halfway through a pilot and i'll say you know what this is just not for me i won't even write about it i'm just moving on and i turn it off right and then what about something like when i see a promo for like imaginary mary the jenna elfman show with like a cgi drop dead fred i'm like no like if i if i if i put myself through five minutes of this that will be like five minutes that i'll never get back and i i feel like that doesn't deserve five minutes of my time that's fair. I think that there are sometimes where a show seems like a terrible idea and turns out to be really good. Imaginary Mary is not one of those. I watched, <laughs> I think, one and a half episodes and said, all right, you know what? I won't review it, and therefore that frees me up to stop watching right now, yeah. which is a nice feeling. Right. And then on the other hand, like there's certain shows that if I didn't know that they were good, like if I, if I had just gotten the first two episodes of Breaking Bad. I'm not sure I would have stuck with Breaking Bad if I didn't have like a critical mass of people everywhere, you know, saying that it was good. It's funny because I've got a Breaking Bad book coming out in the fall that I just put the finishing touches on. Oh, perfect segue. Yep, yeah, plug, plug away. But when, like, I didn't really like that show either. When the first season, if you go back and you read some of my reviews then, which I wound up completely rewriting for the book, it's like, well, why is this moving so slow? Is he just going to cough all the time? I was expecting something funnier. Like, I didn't get it at all. And I think the show did get better from the first season into the second. But it was also like it was such an adjustment because it was doing something entirely new in terms of the pacing. Right. That, it, you know, you had to get used to it. I th- also think there's this thing with a lot of shows where they have like a pitch that sounds really good. And then the show's good in a different way than the pitch. And then they then they still partly feel like married to this pitch. Like... I think Breaking Bad is good, like, beyond the idea of, like, oh, a high school chemistry teacher with cancer decides to sell meth. Like, the like the parts of the show that end up being really good aren't really that married, that aren't really that connected to that pitch. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of shows that have that problem. And what's interesting is you see shows that, like, start off, and the main idea is really kind of awful. Right. And the show pivots away from it quickly. Like, Cougar Town was one of those. 
Bosom Buddies, if you actually watch the second season of Bosom Buddies, they stop cross-dressing altogether. Like, everyone finds out their secret identity in the first episode because it occurred to the writers, hey, Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari are funny. Let's just let them be funny. Right. But but the problem is the damage has already been done, and you can't convince someone that a show called Cougar Town or a show called Bosom Buddies is actually not about what it seems to be about and right. is really good. I think I think a good example of that for me is Homeland, where like I you know I started liking Homeland, but like if you pitched me the idea of like oh she's a spy but she's also bipolar and she likes jazz trumpet, I'd be like hell no. And then like some sometimes a few seasons in they'll have one of those random shows that's up again about her and the fucking jazz trumpet and, and how she's crazy. And I'm like I don't care about this. This is about like spycraft and and uh, and what's his face blinking. Like like those are the best. Mandy Patinkin blinking is why I watch that show. See, and that's a show where before peak TV, I probably would have stuck with because I think I was really unhappy with the like second and third seasons and what they were doing to keep Brody around. Mm -hmm. And then I think it did get better afterwards. But I also felt like, all right, I've kind of seen all this has to offer and it's just pretty good. And I would rather move on to something more exciting. And so I don't think I've watched that in about two and a half years at least. Yeah, I finally I I finally gave up Showtime this year. So this is the first season that I haven't watch like it kept reinventing itself every time it would go back to like brody or her bipolarness it was like oh man please like stop this <laughs> like you should have let that go seasons ago but for, as far as like, going back to breaking bad like at the beginning of the show aaron paul was not a very good actor and like that character wasn't believable at all like well they were gonna kill him off the plan was Jesse Pinkman was only going to be in like three or four episodes and then he was going to die. And I'm not even sure they necessarily planned out how he was going to die. And then they started watching him and they really liked him. And so he went from the excuse for Walter White to get into the meth business to the secondary main character. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like he got like drastically better at acting over the course of the show. I mean, I'd seen him in some stuff before then. Like, I remember him on Big Love, and he wasn't too bad. But certainly I would never have expected he was capable of some of the stuff he does later on, like in, you know, one minute or, or half measures or things like that. Maybe it just was like the character started out too cardboard. Like, they had these, they had him and his buddies who did not seem like tweakers at all. They were like Eminem kids out of, like, the Jesse Spanos uh, <laughs> after-school special at the beginning. And you're like, what is this? These are not characters in this in this otherwise grounded show. Yeah, and he was just yelling bitch a lot. It was <laughs> yeah. Definitely he became a lot more nuanced. And starting with like the second season, the show's sympathies shift almost entirely to him and away from Walt. Yeah. Um, going, what are some of the shows... Like you watched a, a, an episode and a half of Imaginary Mary, which is stunning. Are there What shows that were uh, new this season did you say, no, I'm not going to watch that? Oh, God, let me think. I mean... The, <laughs> Once I dismiss them, I, I kind of move on. But I think, like, there were some of those CBS sitcoms, like the one with uh, Matt LeBlanc and the one with Kevin James, where I just looked at them and said, you know what? <laughs> the world is n- – I, I found this over time. People don't really care what my opinion is of a multicam sitcom unless it's something really special, unless it's me saying, like, no, this is good, like, put away preconceptions. Right. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? These – no one's going to want to read this. I'm not going to like it. Like, I'd seen I'd seen clips at the upfronts. I'm going to move on. And so, for all I know, they've become really extraordinary, but I haven't seen them. Right. 
It's just weird with network now. Like, uh, like uh, Powerless just got canceled this week to our friend Justin Halpern's show. And, uh, and it's just a weird... It's such a weird thing because... In a lot of ways, it seems like uh, being uh, the programming manager for a network is almost like being like the activities guy on a cruise because like all the cool people have left and it's basically like very young and very old. So you're trying to get like the shuffleboard crowd and then like little kids and then people that are actually trying to do something cool. It's kind of hard to inject something cool into that format at this point. It's tricky and it's also just such a precarious position because... NBC pulled the show with two episodes to go. That almost never happens in cable, obviously never happens in streaming. And so there's more security and there's more feeling that like, okay, we can experiment and not have to worry that like the network is going to be monitoring the ratings every five seconds and we could be pulled off. And the audience is also more comfortable with sitting with a show and saying, all right, I trust that it will be here for a little while. Right. And it seems like it's the, the opposite of uh, how it works. Like if you're doing a network sitcom especially it's like you have to trojan horse art into it or you have to trojan horse like uh, current things into it whereas if you're doing i feel like you know a big little liars is like the opposite where they have to sort of uh, trojan horse like schlock into a uh, a very like high art form yeah and it's really it, it's a complicated thing and i think that there can still be great network shows and great multicam shows but there's so many burdens and so much of an attempt to appeal to as wide an audience as possible, even though that audience is gone and it's not coming back. And if you look at the ratings, they're kind of terrifying compared to what they were even, you know, three, four years ago. I I don't know at a certain point how shows can exist and justify their existence with the numbers they're getting. It's crazy. Like, I mean, you could be you could be uh, the star of a, of a network show and like your level of fame is like behind i mean it's weird like you know 20 years ago you would have been like one of the most famous people in the country now what does that mean i'm looking right now i go hanging over my desk at the office is a poster from the nbc show chuck and i remember (laughs) like when that that was like living on the edge of cancellation its entire run Uh and it was a big deal whenever its demographic rating dipped below what a 2.0 that's not what that means isn't important the fact is, like, almost no network show even gets a 2.0 anymore. Like, you're if you're getting a 1.0, you're doing pretty good. So right. the standards have plummeted rapidly. It's, yeah. I mean, where do they, where do they, where, where do they go from there? I don't know. And there's still a handful of big things. And anytime I'm at a family gathering, people will want to talk about Big Bang Theory or This Is Us or <laughs> yeah. Modern Family. But almost everything else is niche. And so I start talking about the shows I really love. And like leftovers, what is that? Right. And there's like some stuff that's so, I mean, there's, they're like deliberately niche now. I mean, if, if, if Chris Hardwick isn't hosting like an after show uh, of your, to like help explain your AMC show, it feels like it's not, they're not even pushing it. Yeah. It's hard. Hardwick is a very hardworking man and I respect (laughs) that about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so the leftovers, um i love that show i don't know uh, it's my favorite show on tv yeah and i didn't i didn't feel that way after the first season well the first season's really heavy like it was my favorite show that year too but i completely understand all the people who say i really didn't like it or i wasn't sold on it and now i love it because it did change a lot from year one to year two year one is just 
very heavy, very sad, very just like, here, if you need some emotional catharsis every week, like, this will let you curl up into a ball and cry for a while. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it became much more weird and creative and funny, and they started telling almost every episode from the point of view of maybe one or two characters, and so it became a more intense viewing experience. And it is, I think, just overall a better show and a more interesting show. And so they can do stuff like they did this week with the, the whole Perfect Strangers <laughs> gag. That which, was so weird. I loved it. When they played the theme song, I just started cackling <laughs> and thinking, like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in the history of television. Yeah. Which I could not have imagined that response in the first year of the show, even though I loved the show back then. I mean, somebody posted that on Twitter, and I didn't realize it was real until I watched the show. I thought that was just somebody's like awesome joke that they made. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a I good. Could, that's I a couldn't good. believe they did that. Yeah, I mean, I love that they've gone that they they went almost full comedy with this these last few episodes. We're like, oh yeah, that guy. We we used to shoot dogs together. If they almost go full comedy, and then they bring in Mark Lynn Baker for Perfect Strangers for like this devastatingly heavy cameo where he's talking about basically wanting to try to kill himself just so he can take control of his life and be back with Balky and and the others. <laughs> yeah. Um, why is, it seems like Leftovers is the only, there's so many movies that are about grief and like the Leftovers is a show that's kind of about grief, but it's one of the few that sort of does it any justice. Like grief is usually really boring in movies and, and they kind of just wallow. Whereas like, you know, Leftovers has got like end of the world. It feels, it feels accurate to what the a people going insane would be like. Well, I think it's sort of, it reminds me of the story that David Chase told me about The Sopranos, which was... Hold on, for hold on. Years... Let, me, let me pick up that name you just dropped. <laughs> David Chase, he's the creator of The Sopranos. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I okay. think I know him. Yeah, yeah. So Chase, you know, he had this really intense and weird relationship with his mother. And for years and years, people would say to him, like, you should do a show about your relationship with your mom. Like, do a show about a screenwriter with a difficult mother. And he realized, like, no one's going to want to watch that. The stakes are too low. It's just, here's a guy, a successful guy whining about his mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then one day he has a eureka moment. What if he's a gangster? Then there's life and death stakes. So, you know, and that worked. If you do a show that's just about grief in a normal way, it can be kind of numbing or dull. Or you say, like, well, that's not universal to my experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when it's grief in the midst of this bizarre supernatural event... Like, on a show that is super mega weird and all kinds of stuff are happening and the Guilty Remnant are planting mannequins all through town Mm -hmm. and, you know, Kevin Garvey is, like, drowning himself and winding up in a hotel as an international assassin and all the other super strange (laughs) stuff that happens, then it's it's heightened enough that you're not just feeling miserable or you're not feeling like, well, when this loved one that I died you know, that I cared about died. It didn't feel like this. It's just, it gets to something a little bit deeper that feels recognizable, even though the circumstances as a whole are completely big and weird and ridiculous. It gives, uh, it gives the crazy somewhere to go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, Veep this week, I had to rewind it like five or six times and I was, I was watching some old episodes and I feel like it's gotten, uh, like the pace has gotten, uh, incredibly, fast even though it started out fast paced like is there is there going to be like a point of diminishing returns where they got to where they got to take a breath or is that I don't, I don't know what's happening there 
Uh, I mean, are you still enjoying it? Oh, I am. But I, but it kind of felt like they had too many jokes to squeeze into a sh- into the show. Where I'm like, if you guys would have just made this like 35 minutes instead of 30 and added like a little breathing room, I think I might have uh, I might have improved it. I can see that. I mean, they changed the showrunner uh, before last season. Armando Iannucci, the guy who created the show, left, and David Mandel, who used to write for Seinfeld and other things, took over. So there's been a little bit of a change in terms of tone and pacing. But I've been sort of pleasantly surprised by how well it's maintained the overall quality, because usually when you have a show with a guy with as distinctive a voice as that, and he leaves, it gets really bad in a hurry, and that didn't happen here. Right, yeah, I, I, I didn't even know that, and uh, I mean, I still like it, it's just now I can't watch it like while I'm eating, like if I'm chewing, I'll miss <laughs> like a line, or if I like look down at my food, like something will happen and I'll have to rewind, it's crazy, it's just like, it's instant now. Well, part of my work process is I take really exhaustive notes, like, you know, someone (laughs) who's watched me do it it basically compares it to a court transcription where I'm just trying to write down like every interesting line and everything that happens. And with Veep at a certain point, I just give up because I'm not going to be able to keep up with all the jokes. And, you know, I'm just going to sit there and watch it and enjoy and not worry about taking any of it down because it's just not possible to do anymore. And it'll be truer to your experience if you just, I mean, there's so many like good lines in that show. You, you just like pick the one or two you remember and that's like sort of accurate to your experience. Exactly. And, you know, suddenly they're making fun of Jonah for being bald instead of being tall. And <laughs> it's like everything old is new again. There's always at least one line in that show uh, per episode where I'm laughing so much that I kind of have to pause. And this week's, it was the the dyslexic daughter. Where it's like maybe we should have got her. We would could have got five point one one. Like that one, I had to pause and because I didn't hear the next three lines. I forget what it was last week. Anyway, um, such a funny show. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it like makes like it's very writerly, but it works. I kind of think the only ch- other show like that that I can remember is maybe like Thirty Rock. Yeah, 30 Rock was like that. There there have been a few others over time, but it's definitely in that area, in that neighborhood. Where like they're talking and it doesn't sound like real people would talk, but it doesn't matter because it's just you enjoy it. You just sort of like let it wash over you. Yeah, and you know, real pe- real cowboys probably didn't talk like they did in Deadwood, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else that, uh, that you're really loving uh, this season, I guess? I mean, lots. Better Call Saul has been really good. The The episode this week I thought was fantastic, especially that last scene with Jimmy and Kim. And that's, that's a show I was super skeptical about, even though I'd been 100% converted to Breaking Bad by the end. Mm-hmm. I just thought, all right, you've done the show. It was pretty much perfect. You told the story. It ended. You should stop. And also, like, Saul Goodman would not be in, like, my top three picks for Breaking Bad characters to get their own spinoff. And yet it's been really great. See, I th- I think Better Call Saul was better earlier than Breaking Bad was. And I also think that Saul is a much more interesting character to me than uh, what's-his-name-ever was. Than Walter, Walter White? Yeah. Like, Walter White got interesting, but he didn't really start out interesting, I don't think. Hmm. I, I can kind of see that. I think that I definitely agree with you that Saul is better at the beginning than Breaking Bad was because these guys have been doing it together for a while, the creators. And so they know they know what to do. I don't know that its ceiling is ever going to be as high as Breaking yeah. Bad just because the stakes are lower, but it's still really good. And I'm I'm much more sucked into the whole like 
Jimmy McGill has to become Saul Goodman tragedy than I ever expected I was going to be. See, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I, when they tie it in, I'm kind of like, I know that that feels like the draw in some way, but like, that's the, where it ties into breaking bad is like the least interesting part of the show to me. Yeah. I, I went through a long period where like, I don't want cameos from breaking bad characters. I just want to see this. Because these characters have turned out to be really good, and I'm super invested in the Jimmy and Kim relationship, mm-hmm. and I hate Chuck and everything else. <laughs> but, you know, I'm also just a man. And so, like, when Gus Fring appears out of focus at, like, the top edge of the frame, <laughs> when Saul is at um, Poyos Hermanos, I, you know, I screamed and pumped my fist. Yeah. So I'm... I'm only human. You're one of those. All right. I mean, I just filed you in my one of those file, so that's okay. That's a good admission for the show. I didn't mean to disappoint you. No, it's okay. Um, Cool. Um, Well, I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you coming on and and talking TV with me. It's it's good now that I now that I have my own podcast back up again. It's not like I feel like the podcasting muscles are flexed again. Yeah, you got to get some reps in there. Yeah, exactly. I was I was without one for almost two years, and now I'm doing it again with with our colleague Brian Grubb. And it's like, okay, all right, now I know what I'm doing. Now this is what happens when you turn on the microphone and talk for a while. Right? Did you did you get to did you do like a lot of or get asked to do like a lot of radio call-ins before that? I've I've done a fair amount of radio in my time, and those are always interesting because those are being done for a more general audience, <laughs> and so I can't really get into like super nitty gritty because nobody understands or cares, and it's just. But, you know, I'm always amazed at how those guys, A, how their voices sound and they're always, like, perfect. <laughs> but B, how, like, they're good, even if they don't know what I'm talking about, good at facilitating a conversation. Because, you know, amazingly, they do this for a living. Right. They're all kind of like uh, Fred Willard in Best in Show, where you can tell he like has no idea what he's talking about, but, he's, but he will still wax philosophic <laughs> about it. Oh, Fred Willard. I, I feel like well, I've whenever I get called, uh, when I whenever I do a call in, um, like they rarely let me talk. It's just them sort of talking, and then they'll ask me like a yes or no question. I'll be like, yeah, sure, and and, and then I'm like, all right, okay, see you guys. Yeah, the weirdest is when I when I do TV, which I haven't done a lot lately, but you know there have been stretches where where it happens a lot, and then. Like you're just sort of trying to get a word in edgewise in the midst of like a seven person panel or something. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're on Jaden and the Fudge. Don't you think girls is gay? All right. See you later. Uh, girl, I, I will miss girls, the TV show. I will not miss girls, the social phenomenon that I constantly have to defend. Right. I'm like, I'm just sick of defending and I'm like, all right, as long as I don't have to hear you guys be mad about this, like that's maybe that's that's, uh, that's better for my life. Yeah, like, here's a TV show I enjoyed, and, you know, just accept it. It's okay. It's really okay that you don't like it, and I do. Right. Yeah, well, we, we can leave on that note. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lame note. We can, we can do better than that. We can be more uplifting. We can be happier and or filthier. Okay. Uh, I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, thanks a lot. I guess not. All right, you guys. Let's talk. Let's talk HBO, our, ostens- our ostensible topic. I thought we were talking about HBO. Oh, were we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys watch The Leftovers? <laughs> no. I do. I do. It's it's great. Do you guys want to read uh, some of Brett's notes on The Leftovers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
I'm paying, by the way. Oh, I don't cool. have them, so you have to read them, Vince. Uh, Brett's uh, Brett, Brett is making notes for us. He's now our producer. He's he's moved to a production role since he doesn't choose Ew. to be. I know. I wish he was here too. It's not the same, but you know, you try coaxing that guy out of his hole. He's like a little raccoon, and you need to you need to you need to coax him out with a little bit of corpse meat. Sometimes so, it doesn't so we gotta work. Kill somebody. That's right. <laughs> Uh, okay. Brett writes the leftovers. It's good. And then his question is, what would it take to freak out to rattle you out of your compliance? How long until you don wire cutters and get down to the business of vandalism? Wow, that she is flushing the toilet. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Look at her snickering. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Yeah, the wall. I what mean, was the that was the first part. Okay. I mean, the whole thing, The Leftovers is about, uh, you know, people freaking out. And I guess his question is, like, what would it take for you to really freak out to start, like, some sort of death cult or to start, like, climbing up a tower and, and preaching to the masses? Uh, I would have, I'm cool as a cucumber. I, I, I think it'd be pretty easy to convince me of some supernatural shit. Um, but no one has so far, you know? I like I feel like I'm I'm open and ready for it. Like I'm I'm willing to believe in ghosts. Just show me one fucking ghost. I'm so down to believe like I, I would love to believe that the world was ending, all that shit, but no one has yet convinced me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm super down to believe it. I I'm the same thing with God. I am oh that'd be so <laughs> dope. But like it's like no one is everyone's just like, Well then you just gotta believe. I was like, No, that's not how it works. You you gotta convince me of it. Like, you know, Moses didn't just believe. He he. It's like God had to be a burning bush, and he had to be like, "What's up, son?" <laughs> and then like, take these tablets, be, and then, and then, and then he believed. Okay, so but what if, I, what if, what if God shows up, but he also tells you you have to kill your only son? Whatever, I'm down. If God shows up, I'm like, <laughs> okay, there's a whole other world. I'll do whatever the fuck you say. Yeah. I just want to be in that other world where my consciousness is still there. I don't want to die. But what if God shows up? He tells you to kill your only son. You okay. do it. And then he's like, psych, you're on drugs. Oh. Uh, then I'd be mad. Yeah, I'd be super mad at God. <laughs> That's or, fair. Or at, or at whoever just did that to me. Probably probably Vince. Or like Joe Sinclitico. <laughs> You did it. <laughs> that is something that Joe would do. Definitely, you totally would pretend to be God just to get me to murder. I think I'm eating popcorn. <laughs> so uh, I feel like every all the marketing for the leftovers this season is like, "Whoa, dude, check out check out Justin Thoreau's hot bod," and then yeah, yes, please. And then but the, also, have you seen his hot bod? It's amazing. He, it is a great yeah. bod. He's hot. I kind of feel like the whole concept of the show is like, what if all the ugly people got raptured and everybody was only Ugh. super hot? That sounds good. It does, yeah, doesn't right, it? Right. Just a bunch of Justin Thoreau's and Carrie Coons running around? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So do you think that like, him being all jacked and, and ripped and stuff, and now and now he's kind of like, like the, half the show they think he's Jesus. Was that, or are they trying to like make him shred up like Jesus? You mean... Did they make him hot because Jesus is hot? Yeah, yeah, that's my question. I don't think so. I think they made him hot because it, uh, you know, it's uh, people like how hot he is. <laughs> I have a question. 
Yes. Go on. What do you guys think? I. What do you guys think would happen if the p- depictions of Jesus weren't super hot? If he was like the fucking ugliest dude, like all of the drawings of him were like disgusting. Like if he was like fat and he had like all this weird chin hair, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of his eyes was droopy, but not in a sexy way like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> if they all look like Tom York from Radiohead. <laughs> yes. If Jesus was Tom York. Do you think we would all be way more accepting of like ugly people in the world? Could no, be. I don't think so. Okay. No, I think he just he just wouldn't have been a god. <laughs> I yeah. will I will say that is you, that that's how do you like that. That's probably my favorite of uh one of my favorite comedy bits is Torio's bit about um like God creating man in his own image and he's like, Yeah, but original right. man was like a weird a weird caveman. Like what if you go to heaven and God's like this weird this weird caveman who's all misshapen but he loves you unconditionally you have a favorite bit of torios i'm not reading this story i don't get it yeah that's my favorite bit of torios that's it's my, a good bet it's my favorite bit of like a lot of people it's one of the i was trying one? to burn torio you didn't help me fucking oh me. i didn't hear that i refuse well, about... yeah yeah it was a good burn Let's move on okay so <laughs> Another Brett question is uh, "fuck Mary depart," uh, which is they they go away but also get to be in heaven. Uh, "Fuck Mary depart," Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones. Um, I would marry Alex Jones. Um, I would uh, fuck Bill O'Reilly because clearly that dude fucks. <laughs> He's so blotchy uh, though. Yeah, but you you know he you know first of all like it's for him it's all like a mental game mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. He, he's he's telling you like put that in your butt let me watch <laughs> right. okay okay and you're like oh, and then you're watching and then he's watching you and it just makes you wet uh huh okay mm-hmm. I'll kill kill Tucker Carlson because he a bitch dude he's like he's the biggest bitch of all time no way um I would I would marry. Tucker, because Oof. I want to borrow his bow tie collection. Oh, and he's a little bitch, so I could just boss him around and be like, "Fucking shut up, Carlson." He could be your sub. Boss he does seem like yeah. a good sub. And I would fuck uh, Bill because I'm really into that Lucas shit. That sounds very sexy. Uh-huh. The falafel so thing. This falafel thing. The falafel. Yeah. Fuck I love yeah. a falafel in my pussy. Uh-huh. And then um, <laughs> I guess I would kill Alex Jones because that guy has no redeeming qualities. But he also gets to be in heaven. Uh, Well, I'm not going there, so I don't care. Okay, okay. Do you think in heaven they finally let you know what was an inside job and what was not? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like the time all my forks disappeared. Yeah, that was definitely the the, the government. (laughs) So someone uh, just recommended a movie for me that I watched last night called zeitgeist have you guys seen that i have not Mm-mm. it was it's uh, so my friend was saying it's a, a great documentary you got to watch it. it'll blow your mind the first like 30 minutes of it kind of explains how um the story of jesus and a lot of stories in the bible are just kind of um the same story over and over again that you've heard for thousands of years from different greek myths and and okay. different pagan myths blah 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 and the the next hour and a half is all about how nine eleven is an inside job. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was the quickest. It was like the it just changed so much. At first, I was so into it. And I was like, okay. And but then it turns out they were going somewhere with it. 
<laughs> and, and it's it's the fucking worst does because it, like it, oh my god does that ever, out, probably, does that ever happen that a loose change came out does that ever happen where you're listening to somebody and they're like saying things and you're agreeing with all of them and then they're like you know it's just like how 9-11 was an inside job and you're like oh right. damn it yeah, that's the, the problem I have with most 9-11 is an inside job people. It's like, it's not that I don't believe that there's some weird shit or that the government doesn't lie to you. I absolutely believe there are things that we don't know um, about the, you know, about 9-11 that were top secret government shit. Uh, I'm sure. But none of them to me are. So the government on purpose did 9-11. Right. Like to me. <laughs> That's the, the weirdest part of it, where, where they make the jump. Because then you're like, well, what's the motive? It's like, so that we could go to Iraq. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that they could have blown up to like one building and still would have <laughs> right. gone back. Also, I mean, the, the Bush administration was so like mystifyingly incompetent in so many ways that right. <laughs> like they went to Iraq based on WMDs and then they couldn't even like plant WMDs or like come yeah, up with like a fake, fake news story. Like they couldn't fake well, WMDs, but they could fake the entire 9-11. And think about all the shit that well, can go wrong with a 9-11 style attack. Like first of all, one of the planes crashed in a field, you know, yeah. like where was that headed? Uh, uh, Pentagon. Yeah. And then, well, no, cause one hit the Pentagon. Uh, the no, Capitol. The House, yeah, the the yeah. Yeah. But, but even they, fucked up like they didn't you know i mean they they hit the pentagon but they didn't like they were like aiming for the heart of it and they Mm -hmm. didn't right and then the two you know towers obviously worked and then yeah one of them crashed in a fucking field like why would you orchestrate a conspiracy (laughs) like such an elaborate conspiracy with so many mitigating factors that could that could completely fuck it up right and that's the only thing about the russian the russian trump thing is it's like I don't think they ever like planned on it being a really like I think fucked up shit happened, but I don't think they were like, oh yes, we're going to use Russia to do. I think that it was just all them being like super incompetent, and stupid, right. and right. taking money. And like, of course, of course, Trump has Russian contacts. The dude sells like super gaudy gold fucking apartments with that <laughs> have his fucking name on the outside. Like, yeah. who do you think is buying a super gaudy like multi million dollar apartment? on Central Park, like fucking Russian right. Russian oligarchs. So of course he's gonna have like contacts with a bunch of those. But I think the Russian um the Russian angle is like a good analogy. I don't know if you did you guys listen to uh the the one of the most recent uh This American Life's about uh about Putin. Yeah. No. And so no. so so basically like uh, how Putin came to power or like one of the cons- the conspiracy theories behind it was that uh, the FSB orchestrated the this uh, these series of apartment bombings uh, in Russia, and or the theory was that they orchestrated these apartment well, bombings, and then they blamed it on Chechens and, and used it as a pretext to invest, right. and use it as a pretext Chechnya. to have this like yeah. a, this invasion of Chechnya and this popular war, and that's what I think like a real life conspiracy uh, looks like because like even in the midst of them accomplishing all of that, like it was very fucking inept. Like they got caught when they parked like a, a van in front of this building and then like the license plate was like drawn on with a Sharpie. And so someone, right. so someone called the cops and then they caught him. And then like this lawmaker um, was talking about the bombings uh, and he was like, the, the, there was a bombing in Moscow and he's like, and there was a bombing in this city 
and and like that oh, and that city actually hadn't been bombed yet like that city got had an apartment bombing like the next day so he like accidentally like fucked up his dates and, yeah he and told them yeah so like that i think that's what a real conspiracy looks like because people are just people are not smart they're not good at conspiracies like they, they tend no. to look kind of obvious and dumb right yeah that's the thing i always have a problem with conspiracy theories is it's like no one is like the CIA definitely between them has a lot of power and like resources, but like, especially in administration, like Nixon recorded tapes and then cut them out. Like how fucking stupid, like it's all so fucking stupid. They got caught they trying to break, break into a fucking hotel room. Like it wasn't like they got caught yeah. doing something that was, you know, crazy, uh, complicated. It wasn't like, a, right. it wasn't like mission impossible where like a bead of sweat hit the floor and the sensors right, went off. Right. It's like, no, they were fucking using duct tape to tape the, the lock, uh, on, on the door you know of the Watergate hotel. It's, you know what it's like, uh, you know, when you watch like Lawner SVU and they're like, we ran his data through the database and he got a hit over in, Chica- in Chicago. And you're like, and when you watch like 48 hours and they're like, uh, the databases are pretty bad. And <laughs> right. We can't track anybody. And you're like, yeah. oh, right. If it so happened no in another jurisdiction, we, we really don't have any way. <laughs> right. Tur- right. Turns out they were actually tracking all the 9-11 uh, hijackers, but the uh, the government agencies wouldn't actually communicate with each other because they were trying to uh, they were trying to prove that they were the best agency, and so they actually right. uh, all slipped through the cracks. Right. It's all just people. Like that's the thing that I. It's like whenever it's like a grand conspiracy or like like the government's trying to keep you down. I'm like, no, it's like 20 people that are fucking stupid <laughs> yeah. as shit. Well, and to go back to the Trump Russia thing, I, I would say that's even different, right? Where everyone like wants to paint a conspiracy around and it's like no no he has a bunch of fucking business in <laughs> right, russia yeah and clearly the russian government <laughs> would rather have trump in office than hillary like this is not fucking rocket science like right. don't stop stop like painting the the whole picture of like what's happening around it it's like no they totally that was the candidate they totally backed and Trump's got a bunch of business interests. All his fucking cabinet has a bunch of business interests because they all have a bunch of business interests because they're all in fucking Goldman Sachs. Like, it's not that complicated. Yeah. And it's not like Hillary's campaign was like, oh, man, we got to stop Trump. They were like, fuck, yeah, we hope Trump's the nominee. Like, that that would be the best. Like, they thought that was the best thing that ever happened to him because it yeah. should have been. Yeah. Like, we got to. It would be really cool if one of, if, if like, the head of Adidas was also in the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> the track suit by the, the way we're gonna, so we're gonna get so many conspiracy theorists on the board it's gonna be a fucking nightmare that's okay i love conspiracy let's theorists bring jason because, back uh, on right right because the reformed conspiracy theorist oh yeah he's reformed jason dove's a good person he's realized all that's bullshit i love jason Was he, a conspiracy actually, theorist? he used, he used to, be. to be i didn't he was know like, that yeah, he was the first person who ever kind of uh, informed me that there are people who thought that Sandy Hook didn't happen. Yeah, he, he <laughs> talked a lot on the show about the whole crisis actor thing. Right, yeah. Yep. And, and we were trying sick. to pin him down, like, come on, dude, you don't actually think that. And he's like, he, he sort of like backed off it a little bit, but he wasn't yeah. like, yeah, you're right. He's like, well, you know, I, you know, look, there's just a, there's ways to do these there's things. There's some inconsistencies, yeah. yeah. I mean, and <laughs> listen, I have no problem with anyone who's willing to uh, – to like keep their mind open to things that are kind of wild, but but there's certain. It always comes down to me with like uh, certain tropes uh, about like the international banking conspiracy, whether or not it's like about Jews. Oh, of course, or not. the Jewish stuff stresses you out. Well, <laughs> well, well, whether whether or not it's it's about that, 
it's not so much whether it's Jewish or not. It's that the the motivation they're always like, and the reason is money. And it's like <laughs> this so it's just so surface level. Oh my god! It's like yeah. Did, yeah, everything's about money, but did, like that, just because people like money doesn't prove your conspiracy theory. Did that, you that, but, that, right? Yeah. And, and this it's the ultimate like like fucking idiot thing to say. Like, just the, you have to be the dumbest mu- motherfucker on the planet to like. Well, it's actually about the money. I saw so many <laughs> earnest takes on Twitter from people when all the Confederate yeah. uh, uh, when New Orleans decided to take down the Confederate monuments. So many people were yeah. like, "The Civil War wasn't about slavery; it was about yeah, it was money." About and it's money. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's the same fucking thing. It's oh, you're right. It's not about slavery. It's about the cash flows that would affect the plantation <laughs> yeah, yeah. owners if they suddenly had to pay their labor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, it's just the the North wanted money, so they had to stop, uh, <laughs> and, and they had to get the South back. And it's like, well, yeah, but, but I well, mean, well, you guys, to be they're fair, not even going okay? below the surface. To be fair, that was, you know, they were encroaching on their territory. They wanted to. I was trying to go into my uh, yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> northern aggression. I will say that I am somewhat of a civil war truther in the sense that I wish that we, <laughs> I wish that we would have just let the South secede. I think that would have been better in the long run. Oh, did I, I tell I, you guys I'm a squirting truther now because of my experience? Because you got peed on. I did not get peed on. <laughs> you got peed on. It Somebody out. peed on it Jane. It came out around my hand, and it was clear. Wait a minute. Yeah, pee is clear sometimes. Yeah, no, but what, what's what's the truth or part? Everyone knows squirt is real. No, it's no, pee. it's scientists have debates about it. There's like no one can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, apparently. no one knows what it is. Only the coolest scientists. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, the, I, I don't, I don't know if it comes squirt from babes <laughs> on the reg. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if it comes from the ure- the urethra or not, but I know that uh, that some people do it. I'm a crushing pussologist. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, you have no. Oh, dude, I just crush, crush, crush. Um, so this. Oh, by the way, the sorry. So last thing about conspiracies is um, the you know what mystifies me still though is the Sandy Hook thing. Yeah. Because if you're truly yeah. invested in the conspiracy conspiracy theory from an aspect of you're afraid that it is the pretext to uh, sweeping legislature um, enacting gun control. Like, yeah. Why are you still holding on to this? Yeah, like, you fucking yeah, want me? Yeah, you, should least, be, you should be screaming from the roof, rooftops, like, like at least waving the, your assault rifle collection. You fucking want right? Like at least nine eleven. At least nine eleven. Like justified an entire like invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan. Like all right, there unprecedented, were there unprecedented were, surveillance of civilians. Yeah, there were some results of nine eleven. There were zero results of Sandy Hook. Yeah. And like, Sorry, guys, Alex Jones, like, so he like, like very distracted. he recently like doubled down on Sandy Hook. Like, we're just still, it's like, why, why are we still like, <laughs> right. All right. So no, on- that's actually the, the video that he said that he was like, he was like Sandy Hook something was the title of the video. And that's when he started talking about how he had, had sex with 150 women before the time <laughs> he was. 16. Yeah. Everything he actually, go- uh, dude, I have not seen that. That sounds so hot, though. Everything goes back to yeah. his dick. But this actually does make yeah. a good segue because one of uh, one of Brett's uh, chapter headings is uh, Last of the Lampoons. And the question is, uh, with temples of expertise being increasingly exposed as totally full of shit, does that make it harder to create content for shows like Veep and Silicon Valley? 
Uh, or have the narrative frameworks of comedy shows always been secondary? A glass case to show off your buffoon collection. And that's one of the things. That's one of the things that I love what? about Veep is that, uh, like, if you watch an Aaron Sorkin show about politics or about uh, journalists, like every Aaron Sorkin product is is very much like competence porn, where like everybody's really good at their job. And uh, right. and the best thing about Veep is that like everybody is super venal and everybody's like kind of terrible at their job and they're all just yeah. it, it feels much closer to reality like even though it's supposedly much more cartoony like that like Veep strikes me as what uh, working in politics is actually like yeah well right. I, I think about it this way think about how often people complain about working in an office because of some form of like either an overly authoritarian shitty boss or office politics. Right. You know, or, or in, and how that may cross over. Like why does any of that exist? It exists because the person has no fucking idea what they're doing. The only reason why you're going to micromanage someone or like be a dick to them is because you have no fucking clue what you're doing. And so you have to, you know, this is what bosses do. They're, right. you know, well, middle management in general is is sort of based on the illusion that uh, everybody under you needs to be um, uh, like you have to crack the whip and you have to have your foot on their neck and et cetera. And ideally, like you'd hire a bunch of people and they would just do stuff and they'd be good at it. But like a lot of it is justifying why you're there. But but. But if right. you're a middle manager, a lot of times you're so fucking incompetent that you don't know how to hire someone right, who would actually course. be good at that job. Yeah. You don't know how to recognize that. Mm -hmm. So then you bring in these people who are really shitty. But then you're also so bad at your job that you can't just directly tell them how to be good because you don't know how to do it. And you also can't give any actionable feedback that will actually benefit them and help them become better. So it's just this whole like snowball of incompetence. That's my favorite porno. Mm-hmm. Snowball incompetence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, well, it's actually, it's snowball, snowball of, of incontinence. Incontinence. Damn it, right? Matt. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's people peeing themselves. I'm glad we're both into the same pee jokes. Okay, so we got to talk about uh, the Silicon yeah. Valley uh, Papa Roach joke. Oh yeah. So I missed it. What was it? So it. Uh, so it, Russ Hanneman, who's my by far my favorite Silicon Valley character. Yeah, uh, him. He's the one who goes. This guy fucks. Yeah, which also like feels like it came. It, it didn't. Oh right. It happened exactly the same time as like the, we came Holy up with it on the broadcast. Yeah. I'm becoming a, a Silicon Valley truther. And that's what. So Justin Halpern calls me a Silicon Valley truther because he he believes that it was all coincidence and it was not a callback to his his uh, Papa Roach joke. Well, explain what happened for the listeners who don't know. Okay, so Justin Halpern's story... And Jane. And Jane. So Justin Halpern's story was that uh, he he was at his uh, this girl's house who he thought was his girlfriend at the time, and and she goes, oh, shit, my boyfriend's coming home. And he's like, oh, shit, I didn't even... Mm -hmm. he, that, that was a big surprise to him. And he didn't know what to do. He didn't have time to hide, so he just... He was on the couch. He pretended to be asleep on the couch. And... Uh, and so he's got his eyes closed, so it's all audio to him. And this guy, like, opens the door, sees him on the couch, and goes, Oh, nice. Real fucking nice. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> bursts in, into tears. That poor guy. Yeah, and then storms out. 
and then slams the door of his car and then turns the ignition and, and the ignition immediately starts cut my life into pieces this is my last resort and then drives off angrily listening to last resort uh which is fucking fantastic and then and then uh just, so, just ruined that guy's life yeah well that guy ruined his life too to be fair uh and also, um, well, it's not, you know, he didn't it do it on purpose. Hard. He thought that they were exclusive. Yeah, I, I blame okay, the girl. That girl did. It's always the I bitch's the fault. Girl. So goddamn right. So then, so then he had that tweet um, that was that it was about Paul Ryan. It was the it was the New York Times story where Paul Ryan had the press conference about um, canceling the the vote on the Obamacare replacement, and uh, and he did like the 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 um the fake he made like a, a photoshop of it and he made a tweet and it was like wow check out the kicker on this new york times story <laughs> and he wrote it was a stunning failure for paul ryan he exited the white house in defeat and took no questions as he stepped into his black suv within moments the muffled sound of papa roach's last resort was heard blaring from the inside of the car as it drove away <laughs> which is like you know a pretty great joke and then uh right. And then on and it went viral. And it went viral. Like it got, it has twenty thousand retweets and forty five thousand faves as of this writing. Like there was follow up. There was follow up stories in Mashable and the Washington Post. Like it was huge. Um, and then on Sunday in in Silicon Valley, Russ Hanneman is like having a talk with with. Uh, what's his name, Richard Hendricks, and he like slams the door of his Lamborghini and he drives off with Papa Roach blaring out of, blaring out of his Lamborghini. Uh-huh. Which is like, I mean, just the fact that Papa Roach is there is one thing, like that's totally coincidental, but it seems suspicious that it's like the exact same type of scene, the exact same type of character, and like performs the exact function in the, in the larger story. Okay, but I mean, to be fair... Uh, that is seems like if the person heard it, uh, if a person from the staff of Silicon Valley heard it, they must have heard it on the broadcast because that thing went viral like a few weeks ago. Right, and I'm it went sure that- right. So it went viral March 24th, and that was and that was Justin's point. He's like, "There's no, th- this has to be coincidental. <laughs> like, there's no way they would have had the show locked as of a month ago." So basically, I had to do all this. I had to, I had to do all this detective work where I'm like, I'm like trying to pump contacts at HBO the people the contacts at HBO was like oh no it's a coincidence and then um, Justin pointed out like the way that we could date it is if we found out from Papa Roach when they cleared the song because like they would right. have to clear the song like you could just put that in post like you could just put you know you could just like they could have had the art the scene already locked and then the sound editor all he has to do is add last resort to it. Oh, that's true. Um, but they have to get the licensing. They have to get the license. And so uh, I finally got in touch with like Papa Roach through Twitter and they were like, were oh not? no, they asked us a few months ago. So if it came from the Frogcast, they would have had to hear it on the Frogcast and not from Justin's tweet. You did so much research for this, Vince. I'm so proud of you. You're like a real that's journalist. Some, yeah, some shoe leather right there. I did a lot of research, and it added up to a- absolutely nothing. You mean gumshoe? Like, I, you know when you like... Uh, no, gumshoe's a detective. Yeah, it is. When you're a reporter, yeah, it's like shoe leather reporting, like going and knocking on doors and talking to people in the neighborhood. No, I didn't know about yeah. that. I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah, yeah I was knocking on D. I I was sliding into DMs, man. I was doing mm-hmm. everything. Man, I love how much you 
want credit. Oh, well, okay. So th- that's the other part of this. But that's the other part of it. Well, first of all, like I can only take so much credit because it's like it's not my story. It's it's a hundred percent Justin's story. All I did was like ask him, like, "Hey, but, what's but, happening this week?" And he told the story. So like, I, but you want some you want some press for the fraud, and I appreciate. Well, that. Well, because look, yeah. As soon as that Let's shit aired, as soon as that shit aired, BuzzFeed wrote like a twelve hundred word piece about how like how how Last Resort became like the internet's favorite joke and justin says he said that he like told the fucking buzzfeed writer that it came from the broadcast and this guy wrote 1200 words without ever once mentioning the fucking broadcast <laughs> and it's kind of like fuck you man he totally oh. brought it up on the fly too because brett made an offhanded joke about papa roach i mean we had we had talked about it ahead of time but yeah he like part of the reason i had him on he's like oh i got a good papa roach story i was like oh, okay great yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, at some point, people will learn about the broadcast, and then and then our Patreon money is going to be like, oh boy. Oh know? yeah, Patreon.com slash broadcast. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I mean, we've been on the cutting edge in so many areas, and we never get credit but, for oh, it, yeah, and that's fine. Absolutely, absolutely, we are a cutting edge uh, uh, podcast. We're very important. Um, in terms of like we ride that zeitgeist we create the zeitgeist yeah forget the movie like our podcast should be called zeitgeist I mean because we're just we're right there absolutely Um, what did did Justin have anything to say about uh, the Silicon Valley writers Uh, well he he was like there's no way that my tweet inspired this and I don't know he's right yeah, I guess. I mean, clearly, like we've established, <laughs> you did so much work we've established. I did so much work to establish so that the tweet did not inspire that. Yeah. You know, if this if this uh, podcast was popular enough, and if uh, if what do you call it, if Silicon Valley was uh, written by popular Amy enough? Schumer, no, no, if, if it was written by Amy Schumer. Um, sure. Or if she had anything to do with it, Reddit would be on our side in a second. They'd be like, "Yup, mm-hmm. stolen joke." <laughs> yeah, but another stolen joke. Because that's that's how Reddit uh, works. That's true. I mean, uh, did you guys? They accuse they accuse Amy Schumer of stealing pretty much everything. When really, it's most of the time it's either her sketch comedy show repeated a sketch that sounds similar to another one, or she told a, a hacky joke, and they're like. Oh, clearly she stole it. Well, look, uh, every every comedian understands the phenomenon of like parallel inspiration. I mean, like everybody's sure. had a joke where like it just happens to be similar to someone else's joke cuz like there's not that many jokes and audiences aren't that creative. Like you do what works and like a limited amount of things work. Um, what happened? Yeah. Did you fall, Matt? No, I'm still I'm still alive. So Vin, like Vince's dog pounced on me. So I, I saw like this guy fucks on Silicon Valley and I was like, all right, there's no way that that had anything to do with us saying basically the same thing on the podcast. But right. the the blast resort thing did seem crazy coincidental because it was like in the exact same way. Ow. Yeah, I mean the the, the thing about that joke though is is uh it's Vince's dog is like one of the dogs the Nazis used to chase Steve McQueen. What's happening? He's at the door. Um, the the thing about... Oh, God. Yeah? Hello? What's happening over there? What are you doing here? 
Who is it? Shut up. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I had to put the dog out. Do you want to come in or? Jane's, okay. Jane's on the phone. With are you someone? about to get murdered? <laughs> yeah. Or are you about to get squirted on? <laughs> is it the girl? Jane, answer. Is it the girl? Um, it's my dad. Uh, oh, yeah. What? Ew. Wait till he finds out about you getting one. squirted on. No, I don't. I'm kind of in the middle of something. Can we? What are you doing in Chicago? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Dad showed up no, randomly? No, I don't want to. Is this for real? I don't want to talk to you right now. Why would you answer? I'm busy. I'm sorry, guys. I'm busy. I can't. <laughs> is Jane just doing imaginary contemporaneous comedy? I can't, extemporaneous I can't comedy? Tell. I'm high. I'm sorry. I'm done. Was that really your dad? No. Oh, oh man. That was I, I weird. Thought I would, Jane. I thought I, was, I would use the medium. Fair enough. Oh, it's, it's a good medium. It's yeah. a good medium. Thank you. Uh, we got a couple. Uh, we got a couple emails that I did want to get to. Yay! Okay. So I'm gonna play the email song, Matt and Jane. Shut up for like 16 seconds. Your advice is always bad, but tell me more about your dad. Oh God, I am afraid to die. The emails. Vince hates art. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I was hoping you would do that. Um, <laughs> Did you count it? That's amazing. No, I, I might. I, I've got a really good, like, uh, I have a metronome inside of my head that just knows when things are going. All right, so we got a we. I got an actual voicemail this week. Uh, I'm gonna play. It. You guys won't be able to hear it, but I will re. I will. Uh, when it's over, I will. I will give you guys the gist of it. Okay. It's starting now. Hey Vince. Hey dude, I was really wondering what you think of. The uh, the Berkeley anti far anti far whatever guy who um, hit the dude with the U lock in the head smashed his head wide open. If you watch the video, it's pretty clear that 4chan guy found who the guy was, and it's uh, it's pretty much ignored by the media. And when they do, it's like really slanted. Now listen, I think uh, for the left, they need to point guys out like this and call them out because this makes the left was really bad, like the Berkeley mayor, his connection to the BAM, it just kind of discredits the whole thing, much in the same way, like Trump needs to call out racist guys on his God, team. Vince hates art. Bad, so I'm just really <laughs> wondering what, what you think about it, because, you know, I love you guys, but I feel like sometimes you guys are a little too dismissive of anything <laughs> conspiracy laden, laden or whatever, you know. There's always a grain of truth in some of it. And All right. So basically, the question was: There's this video going around, uh, like in Berkeley. There's like some Trump supporters there, and like one of the Antifa dudes who is like in a hoodie and sunglasses with like a black thing over his face, like walks up to this like apparently Trump supporter guy and like busts his head open with a U lock. And oh, I saw that. I saw that. Right, and then. Right, and then so 4chan has has um claims to have identified this guy and the he, u-lock thrower the u-lock van the bandit whatever and he wants to know like why why no mainstream media is covering this and why the left is not uh disavowing this guy um as the right should with you know some of their 
Nazi supporters. And so as a member of the media, I, I tried to look for this and like every single site that's covered it has been like some crazy like alt-right site. Um, I think part of the reason that, uh, at least speaking for myself and maybe probably other members of the media, is that when like 4chan and Reddit like does uh, some detective work and like doxes a guy who in the video is wearing like a mask and a hood, I don't know. Like I, I need another source. Uh, I don't really trust uh, some graphs made on uh, 4chan that say that that's the dude. I mean, if that's the dude, wait, yeah, like mean, people shouldn't. But sorry, go ahead. Does he mean? Does he maybe mean like not necessarily that 4chan found the guy, but that like somebody got attacked by a, a supposedly liberal? Yeah, uh, that's part of it. I think that's more that, that instead of the 4chan thing, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's more of the story about like because yeah. if if that was a liberal person, but the, you know the thing is like there's more important things going on than people fighting at protests, and it's been happening more and more. And uh, like, well, those, those Nazis got stabbed, you know, but that was basically uh, why are we not uh, why are we not like disavowing like violent uh, Antifa dudes? Because we don't all, claim so them. This is there's many there's many parts to this question. The first part uh, is I mean, if the first part is why is no one disavowing uh, antifas in general? Uh, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, there's a lot of moderate uh, liberals, um, at least that you know that in what I've read, who are going like, hey, you know, these uh, the antifas are just as bad as, uh, you know, the Trump supporters, they're both two sides of the same coin, blah, 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 which is something I, I actually don't completely agree with. Um, but uh, I, I understand the point they're making. I've, I've read a lot of criticism of uh, Antifa's and Black Bloc and whatnot. Uh, this video in particular, I did see. The problem with, with, with videos like this that come out is, uh, is always that... Um, I, I like you said. I see them on you know Reddit, or I see them you know shared by uh, right wing blogs, and uh, and the context that I always see is kind of like uh, created. The narrative is created by the person writing the blog. Look at these anti fascists uh, beating up on uh, these poor Trump supporters. But I, I've also read opposite accounts uh, of different situations, which were first, uh, you know, kind of the narrative was anti-fuzz are beating up random Trump supporters. And then you see uh, the Trump supporters uh, are, are are going around with uh, weird neo-Nazi signs and, and, and uh, half swastikas and kind of like weird uh, anti-Semitic memes or racist uh, shit. And, and part of me kind of thinks like, I don't think you sh uh, it's okay to punch someone because they have a Make America Great Again hat. Um, but if you have some neo-Nazi shit on... Uh, if you're if you're out there and you're doing your ironic fucking you know racist meme, part of me doesn't give a shit if you get knocked out. Right. Yeah, like like yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. I don't care. It's tough. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's where it breaks down. Where it's like 
I don't think we should just say like, oh, that guy was a Nazi, so it's okay that like I clubbed right. him over we the should, head. Hate, but if he is hate, an actual Nazi and he has a Nazi sign and he gets clubbed over the head, fuck that guy. So right. it's and like that's, it's a that's weird. Not say, that's not to say the yeah, guy. Yeah, but what's an actual Nazi, Nazi nowadays? Right, and then well, that's the thing. And how do you uh, tell it, that by someone you just met? That's the thing. Uh, usually, for me, uh, it, it comes down to: Are you uh, at a Trump rally with a neo-Nazi sign? Do you have like a a meme that says the the Goyim no or any of that <laughs> shit? If you have that, then fuck you. I I honestly have no I have no uh, sympathy for anyone who is so um, mired in their own petty little worldview that somehow racism doesn't exist so much that that racism is okay now like right. i i just don't have i i don't have any sympathy for that and that's not to say the guy who got hit with the u-lock was someone who was like that i i don't know the whole story and and uh, i don't know if the uh, national news media picked up on it but, uh, you know, the, the implication that somehow the news media is not holding anti-fascists uh, accountable is, is bullshit. Everyone in the media, as soon as, as, as Milo got kicked out of uh, Berkeley and there was a, like the fire or whatnot that they set off a dumpster fire or whatever, everyone was like, oh, these guys are bad. Uh, free speech. You shouldn't do this and whatnot. Everyone was, was coming out. Uh, against the uh, the black bloc people for for doing that shit. So, so although to be fair, I've known a lot of black bloc people, and they are garbage. So yeah. Uh, see, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like when 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 uh, when Ann Coulter gets a speech canceled at Berkeley or like Milo, like I, you know, I. What the fuck what is, is happening? happening, Jay? What? What are you doing? I'm going to get cigarettes. Okay. Dude, honestly, could you, you not, should just you should just lie down. Could you not do it in galoshes? <laughs> okay, so like when you know, as a comfortable white liberal, I definitely when when Ann Coulter and Milo come to Berkeley, like yeah, just don't show up because you've you sort of lost when you're giving those people attention and like right going there to protest like that. I mean, their whole purpose. Well, why else would they come? To Berkeley, other than to stir up a protest, like that is you don't see fucking you don't see Lindy going to like Bob Jones University and trying to like speak there. Like it's not right. Like they're going there specifically to incite a protest. And if you protest, you've kind of lost. But at the same time, when Milo has like when when Milo has like a bunch of goons that are that are doxing people and like advocating certain Mm -hmm. things, it's hard to get mad at people for reacting to that. Right. I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the optimum response is there. Well, the problem is is that there's there's uh, two types of uh, oh man, there's, there's so much noise in Chicago. Sorry. Uh, oh, okay. No, 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 don't worry about. It. Uh, <laughs> did you hang up? No. Okay. Um, I'm gonna mute it. Okay. Um, I I don't know. I, my my problem is is that you've got one group of people um, who are are kind of claiming the oppression of uh, uh, the, of the left, which is like, oh, the left is uh, you know um, censoring us and whatnot, um, and then and so they're reactionary, and then we've got the reaction to the reaction, and and it all kind of seems to be like a jumbled uh, who started it type of fight. Um, yeah. 
So I, I usually just kind of come down to um, the fact that I find being oppressed uh, by the left a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the time just kind of means like people on the internet have opinions that I don't like. <laughs> um, whereas like being oppressed by the right seems to have a, 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 a lot more kind of real world results. You know what I mean? Like if you're anti uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, because of the fact that the BLM movement doesn't like, um, you know, doesn't adhere to social norms of like letting people speak and then they'll go up and they'll, they'll take over, you know, a Bernie speech or something. It's like, uh, you know, at the very least they're talking about something that's a real world issue, you know, whereas I don't know what one oppression exists online and the other oppression kind of exists uh, systemically. And, and I kind of fall in the, I'm, I'm a, I'm a liberal snowflake, snowflake butterfly and an anti-white propagandist. So I probably am biased, but I definitely fall, you know, fall in the camp of like, okay, just let them speak who gives a fuck. But you know, if I'm not on the receiving end of the, if I'm not on the receiving end of the oppression that they're advocating, I, I don't know if it's necessarily necessary uh, my place to say, oh, just let them speak. Don't worry about it. Right. I mean, I, I just, uh, I just don't um, fully respect the um, the reactionary anti PC movement. Uh, I don't respect the like. I, I understand being annoyed by uh, snowflake SJWs. I get what that means. Right. And like that, that had an original just, meaning, even if you yeah, fucked it out. Like it had an original is, meaning. The the actual the the what it means now is so different. Right, like it had, yeah. like it had, it had an, it had an application, and then you, you fucked it out. Yeah, but but, the, well, but like the the, the, the idea is to the point now where <clears throat> I definitely remember at a certain point like thinking I was anti PC, right? Like years ago, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, when me I too. Was, when I was like in high school, like yeah. being anti PC and watching PCU and thinking he was awesome. And mm -hmm. like, what a, what a blow against all these uptight idiots who are so PC. And now, like if I see someone like on Twitter, who's like, Oh, PC, I'm like, ah, there we go. Mute. You know, <laughs> right. like, I instantly know it's just not someone like, and I can't imagine now having a rational conversation with someone who earnestly thinks that like the PC movement is like harmful to Whatever the fuck they think it's harmful, I, like human development. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's it's because it's just been well, become so co opted. I don't you know? think the idea, the, thing, the idea that think, uh, that one extreme is hello? is is Hi. supporting the other is not new, and it's not uh, it's not surprising. Like the Return of the Kings and Jezebel were all, were always sort of uh, helping each other exist to a certain yeah, degree. and and yeah. also like I think you just keep in mind that when I had those views, you know, I was in high school and then like you go <laughs> right. in the real world and you're like, you realize it's like not, it's just, it's not that simple. Yeah. But people also turn the other way. People go more conservatives. Like I personally have gotten more towards anti PC, not completely anti PC, but like more less than I was before than uh -huh. I used to be. There but that's cause like I've seen how much like, it's just like, like there's a balance. It's right. Not like I get it, but like still, if, you it, gotta be 
if someone like, jumps in your mentions, Jane, about everything they say. Jane, it's right, still, if someone jumps in your mentions and talks, starts talking about PC shit, aren't you immediately like, oh, God? Oh, yeah, of course. Right. There, there is a certain level. But that's because they're using the form of Twitter and not talking to people. Right. Like, the way PC gets really annoying is like, like, I don't know if you know, like, Matt, do you experience it as a comic sometimes where people get, like, not upset at what you do, but they're, like, sad because you're talking about a topic that's not... They can't accept that like a joke can be funny about something. Right. Usually, like, I was, yeah. They Go can. Ahead. They can. They can categorize, but they can't synthesize. Which is that they can, like, they can uh, point out terms and, and and file it in a certain category, but they can't actually right. uh, you synthesize the content and and understand the context. No, the right. problem is it seems like that uh, people kind of split off into these camps where you've got like. People who are just still super enamored with, with any kind of irony and extreme irony. And they're like, and, and so they don't give a fuck about what is uh, PC or not. And they're like, right. well, of course I'm not racist. That's why the joke's funny, because I'm not racist. And, right. then, uh, and, and then you've got the other side with people who have decided irony, all irony is bad. And the only thing that's good is earnestness. And they can't take a fucking joke if they find right. themselves triggered by it. So it's like, so really you're dealing with what I think is not really a partisan issue, which is you're dealing with assholes. Right. And, 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 when, and assholes exist in, in, in uh, you know, it's a bipartisan thing. You've got assholes who believe in the same shit that I believe in, but don't understand that, like, uh, you know, you can, you can take a joke. You, or, or if you if you can't enjoy it for some reason, you're triggered by this joke. Um, that doesn't mean that other people shouldn't be able to enjoy it, or that other people are somehow broken. A lot of the times, it's like, no, this is your problem. You're you're kind of the broken one, right? <laughs> and and that's and I know there's there's obviously there are lines. There are some things that I think society is right in saying like we shouldn't joke about. Um, and that line is always changing, and that's why you know you should keep up with the times. But uh, but yeah, some people just can't uh, can't can't handle that people are enjoying something that they don't have the ability right. to enjoy. I also think I also think the left is bad at giving people an out sometimes, where like you want to speak your truth, and you know, uh, like us as intelligent people, you can recognize when someone's speaking their truth, but uh, like also when you're doing that, you realize that not everyone is a fucking, not everyone's that smart. So like if you, if you push some, some like half bright white dude into a corner where all he can be is the bad guy, you're kind of like pushing them to be the fucking Trump supporter dickhead. Right. If you don't, if you don't give them, the out of being the, one of the good ones, like you kind of, right. like you, 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 you hurt us all in a way. It's an, it's an annoyance when someone uh, makes a misstep and then all of a sudden they're irredeemable. That, right. that I think it's, uh, and to me, that's just, uh, that it's, that's just, people. you know, like Bill Cosby. Well, <laughs> yeah. Bill Cosby yeah. is a great example. I unmuted just for that. Yeah. He can be, he can be saved. Um, no, but like you know, some people uh, will will try to like immediately uh, write you off as a, as a bad person when you know some people just say the wrong thing, make a mistake. 
but um, I, I actually have an example of, of something that happened to me uh, recently where I was I was trolling this guy online, just kind of like <laughs> this, guy, this guy. I have all good know. stories start, yeah. I don't I don't know him that well, but but I thought it was like I didn't even consider it trolling. It was just an offhanded joke. He was writing like, "Who do you think the most overrated rappers are?" Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I think Atmosphere is trash, and then people were saying who they thought most overrated, and then I wrote. Um, all of the black ones. Um, <laughs> now this is this is a white guy, um, and uh, and he kind of uh, at first he uh, seemed to get that I was joking, and then this other dude who I've trolled in the past was also there uh, on this Facebook thread and was like, "Wow, ironic racism really seems kind of <laughs> passe." Yeah, and so I so I wrote. Uh, Name me one good black rapper. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag all weight. Um, and, and then the guy uh, who, who wrote the post originally was like, yeah, so here's the thing. Like, I don't know you well enough to know whether or not you're joking. So this is getting into a weird area. And I thought that was the greatest response ever because I was like, you, you don't I don't think you need to know someone personally to know that literally no one has the opinion <laughs> that there are no good black rappers. <laughs> like to me there was there's there's no clearer Matt, example. you're wrong though. I, am I wrong? I could be wrong. Maybe you're there wrong are people because that idea is like that's totally what's some fucking idiot and he doesn't know you. You could pop up it's like that thing where somebody starts talking about how nine eleven is an inside job. You could know them for years. And then all of a sudden they're like, I think black rappers are bad. And you're like, what? wait, 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 wait. Yeah, but do wait, we wait, have wait. to, but do we there's have to aim difference. all of our jokes at the person who wouldn't understand that that's a joke? And, well, that, if and, you're and, on the internet, yeah. And, and, but more so, more so, I, I think like the, I've heard people talk about 9 11 is an inside job. There's literally no one on the planet, including the top Klansmen, who would say <laughs> that th there are no good black rappers insinuating that rappers of other ethnicities are better. <laughs> that is just, that is, th that's not an opinion that exists. To me, it's, 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 it was just the perfect but example I, of If like, you don't think rappers are good, do you think, you would think no black rappers are good, right? Well, no, but that's that's no, that's not what the 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 post was. The post was specifically <laughs> all black rappers. That that <laughs> implying uh, that white rappers so are good. Stupid though, Matt. No, 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 no. That I what it was was it was purposefully being like, hey, listen, this is an opinion that racists have. It's like, no, dude. But this, not, this not is even the problem with Twitter is it's where people who are very smart and can be sarcastic meet with the dumbest. Fuckers who have ever existed. I, no, right. to call, to call and that's why you dumb, can't tell them apart. No, to call him dumb is to let him off the hook. Uh, he not him. Is, I'm talking about he, people who would say that there are no black rappers. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, no, no, no. Well, that's the not, thing. Not the, the guy who didn't get it. There's the. I guarantee you that. <laughs> that this is an opinion that no one has it's also uh, it's also it's just hard to make a joke if you have to assume that no one gets sarcasm well right that that too but i think i think more so i i just was enjoying like uh because I, I kind of knew there was a chance that he was going to to go sjw on me where he'd be like hey whoa whoa <laughs> 
<laughs> that that's an opinion that uh, I think it is could be real and is really scary. It just it, it, to me, I I I loved it because because it was so clearly um, he was trying to be obtuse. Right. He was he was deliberately being obtuse in order to be like, hey man, you know, I I, I see through. I'm I'm woke enough to see through you know the fact that you're secretly har- harboring hate <laughs> and it's like i don't know i i i i really enjoyed i really enjoyed trolling him and then i i drew uh an eight equal sign equal sign equal sign d with a lot of tildes yeah uh uh are there any other letters then no we got we got to wrap it up um it's yeah, been, it's been great jane fucking uh-huh. kill, killing it at the onion uh twitter me jane yep. you shut up uh, I also opened for Jesselnick last week. Tell everybody about that because that was cool. Yeah, I mean, you go to that show in the past that Jane had. Yeah, uh-huh. that was uh, really cool. Matt, nice. Matt is doing big things also. Yeah, I'll be at the um, uh, not the White House correspondence dinner uh, this <laughs> week in uh, in Washington D.C. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you'll see me in the audience. Uh, with my with my YouTube channel, right? Uh, Patreon.com slash broadcast. If you want to donate, uh, it always helps us feel good about continuing oh, to do this podcast. Broadcast uh, fr- listeners in Portland, I'm gonna uh, come to the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. If you live there, uh, I'll be I'll be in Bridgetown. That's coming up, Brendan. Yeah, come see me uh, at Chicago Open Mic. Yeah, All right, and that. LA open mics come <laughs> hashtag LA math. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, thanks for listening. Email us broadcast gmail.com. Vince, what's the Google voice number? 415-275-0030. All right. Well, thanks for listening as always. Good night and good chins. <laughs> How's the onion, Jane? What's that? How's the onion? It's pretty good. Did you write the headline, A Woman Knows to Avoid Certain Parts of Her Own Psyche at Night? No, I don't write for them. Oh, sorry. Doing the design. Bummer. I thought you were writing. No, I'm designing for them. I said it on the podcast. Oh, I was listening. Listen. What what design? I do the photos that go with the fucking images. Oh. I mean, with the articles. Yeah. Nice. So you're photoshopping? Yeah. I mean, that's a valuable yeah. contribution, too. Yeah, that's still Yeah, jokes. it's a visual joke. It's way more valuable. Yeah. Writing for squares. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Shut up. You guys. <laughs> you, you guys want to start? Sure. Yeah. What have you seen? Oh, this wasn't being recorded? I'm bummed out. That was all good riff. Oh, no, it's being recorded. I'm, I'll probably put it, put it at the end. Okay. All this A plus riffing. Sweet. Uh, Sweet riff. Do you guys watch stuff? I, I watch stuff. One episode of Veep. I don't watch Veep, uh, so I saw none of Veep. But I did see uh, the other one, Silicon Valley, and of course I watched The Leftovers and loved it. Because you're a dark boy. I'm a dark boy. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have darkness on my inside. Man, I can't believe you don't watch Veep. It's amazing. I know. I, every episode I've seen, I'm like, damn, this is so funny. And I don't know if this season is that good. I didn't like the first episode, but I liked the last one. 
Let's save it for the pod. <sighs> all right, all right. Um, also, I had sex with a lady, if you guys want to talk about that. What? What? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, you're a gay boy? I'm a gay boy. All right, hey, quiet down so I can do an intro, would you? <laughs> 